0: That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So, whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com.
1: Hey, I'm Mitch, and I'm Greg, and this is Side Note. A podcast where every episode we chat about life and what's stumping us right now. And then we research and splice in all the science and mind-blowing shiznit throughout so you are entertained while simultaneously learning. We are going to start today with some stories that Mitch and I are going to tell about our experiences with death and also answering some weird, interesting, morbid questions. And then Mitch is going to interview Rachel who has studied and researched a lot about what we do with bodies after they die. And lastly, Mitch and I are actually going to debate how we feel about spirituality and what happens after death, something we actually haven't talked to each other about in a long time. Today, your side notes are presented by myself, Greg, Mitch, and Rachel, and now all of the references for our podcast are on our website, asapscience.com, so if you want to do any further reading, or if something we talk about makes you really curious, you can go online and read the actual studies that we talk about in the podcast.
2: Yo. Yo, this is
1: definitely <laughs> a lighthearted topic. Yeah, we have a
2: heavy one for you today.
1: So we will try and keep it lighthearted. We will try and keep it upbeat. We will try and keep it alive. <laughs>
2: Let's talk about death,
1: <laughs> oh, baby. God. Um Death.
2: Wow. This is gonna be we haven't really like, I don't know. I don't even know talk. your
1: opinions on death really, because we haven't talked about death in so- Long. I feel like death was all I really like talked about as a kid. Maybe because
2: we're like be coming to a certain age that we're just like I'm just gonna ignore everything about yeah. death. But you're right. When we were younger, I feel like we had like philosophical conversations around death, or maybe we just know each other so much more and that that we're then we're just like just stop talking. Yeah, like about that's those something you
1: hash out with like a couple. Like when you're like early dating, like, you're young. like, so what's your opinion about death, spirituality? <laughs> but now I'm just like, Ugh. but then it's like it's been so long that I'm like, what is your opinion? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's but we we'll got to that. Nature. We'll debate it later. True. In like, the meantime, what? let's talk about you know like some stories like. I'm. I've always like what, like what do you think would be the worst way to die? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, no, for uh,
2: okay, no people. I always pose this question because I'm like, would you rather like burn to death or <sighs> drowned or freeze? Oh, like what are the best ways? I'm terrified of all oh, them. Oh God! I feel like I know my answer. Are dude. those the only options? Well, like what are the other extremes? Like, like be okay. So blown with wind to death. I don't so know. in
1: no, I asked you first. What is oh. the worst way? That you think you could die? That was my question. I think um, burning to death is the worst because I feel
2: like you don't die instantly. Or it's so painful versus like when you freeze to death, I feel like you go into like a sense of euphoria. But not that I know, I just feel like I've heard that before. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but because your senses probably like start shutting down and you just like. W- like maybe you feel a little bit high for a day. Yeah, and you wouldn't be like screaming. Whereas like burning to death, it's just like like people scream right oh my god ew I'm, that's terrifying Um and then also I'm terrified of like the ocean so like drowning is what's scary well you'd be scared wow okay
1: so wait that was <laughs> still like, you going I'm back to your three thing. things I'm asking you in general all of them burning to death the worst for you <laughs> yeah 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 okay cool I think I don't know I haven't really thought about these things enough because
2: it's like mine scary. is for
1: sure dying in a plane, plane crash oh like, really okay it is so <laughs> weird to me that you're always just like during turbulence you're just like, chill, like oh like what up I'm like yeah, because you're plummeting to your death like for a long period of time and everyone just screaming. But is you don't screaming. know
2: if you're gonna die. That's even
1: worse. What if you're then you're just like <laughs> praying life of pie happens and it's like that's probably not gonna happen. <laughs> that's even worse. What? You'd rather be stranded in the middle of the ocean hanging out on a wing and then no, dying slowly. That's cause that's too close to my other fear of drowning. So exactly. yeah, that's my real fear. <laughs> So, yours but, is burned to death. Mine is uh, in a plane crash. Yeah. I mean, i, I jumped right to in a plane crash. I bet if I really got creative, I'd be like it would be like a needle slowly being pushed into my skin for twelve hours. That could be worse, maybe. There's more Obviously, there is no list or study about the worst ways to die because you can't really interview people after they're dead, right? Like you can't just wake them up and be like, "So how was it? Good?" bad was it worse than last time so what we have compiled is a list of morbid ways that people have actually died in the past for example dissolving alive in the yellowstone national parks super volcano so recently one man actually did that he fell into one of the pools within the norris geyser basin and it's super hot really acidic waters would have caused third degree burns throughout his body third degree burns are the ones in which your skin is damaged blackened leatherized and ripped apart his actual subcutaneous fat would have boiled away. And weirdly though, this would have caused very little pain as his nerve endings would also have burned away as well. So he wouldn't have been able to feel that much. So this really scary way of dying could be ideal. Another popular one is the guillotine. I mean, we've all seen it in the movies, right? When your head is between the two wood pieces and your arms and then a blade comes down and just cuts them clean right off. And other than... In most cases, you have to walk up to the guillotine and obviously fear the fact that you're about to die, which is horrible. But it seems like a quick, painless death. But it's not because many stories have actually found that the blades weren't always that sharp. And sometimes they would fall and it wouldn't fully cut or sever the spinal cord. So people would be there screaming. Sometimes they would even still be praying as the blade was trying to cut their head off. So I guess this is kind of just about the importance of making sure that we all keep our knives sharp. No, 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 no. That's about... No, no, no. I don't know. Just, I, I wish the guillotines in the past were sharper. Another really famous one is crucifixion. Uh, we all know it from the story of Jesus. And a lot of people think that you die because there's nails in your hands and in your feet and maybe you bleed out. But actually the way that you die is because your arms get pulled from their sockets and your chest ends up hanging down and therefore you can't fully exhale so you're actually building up carbon dioxide slowly in your body until you suffocate so the whole process uh can take days it can take hours it can take weeks and this was kind of a part of the entertainment for the romans and that they would guess and sort of joke about how long it would take each of these people to die
2: I'm trying to think if I've ever had a true near-death experience. I feel like in the ocean as a kid, I felt like I had almost drowned. You know when, like, the undertow grabs you? Like, because, I mean, we've talked about this before. My family used to, like, go to Florida, so we would, like, swim in the ocean. It's so fun, but sometimes the waves get so big, and I remember sometimes getting pulled under. And I'm sure I wasn't near-death, but I had those moments of, like... I. I'm being drowned and I'm going to die. And the only other time I can think of it on the spot of like when I thought I might die was driving in the winter. So for those of you who are not in winter climates, like it can be really scary when you drive in the winter because all this slush builds up and there's just like tire marks on the highway that you kind of try and stay into. But if you're on the highway and you need to change lanes, it's also really scary. And I just remember going along and trying to pass, like I was passing in the faster lane, a big giant truck. Like what do you call those? Like,
1: trucks that like, two by four No, no, <laughs> 28 I'm wheeler so
2: mask right now um no like the big bunk yeah the big ones and i guess the wind of it kind of like pushed me and so my wheel went a well that's little... what
1: happens yeah there's like inertia and in physics there right like when you go near the force a... of it yeah. yeah
2: and so my wheels went a little bit onto the snow <gasps> and then i started going like like sideways oh, to sideways to sideways right beside this giant truck and i was i had that moment of like Okay, like I'm about to die. Like I had no control. I didn't know this. Yeah, I was by myself. It was when I used to work on the road. Like I had to. I was in sales. So because well, like survive. statistically
1: that is probably how. Like and, it's like you're likely more likely to die on the road. Like it's like happens. All and the I was time. fully.
2: And maybe this is just because it was like hyperventilating. But going sideways to sideways. Like my hands spinning from left oh to right, left god. to right. And my car was like wiggling. And I was like, I'm about to go under this truck
1: and die. Oh my god. And then
2: slowly it just kind of like got less and less. And I I got off the highway because I was shaking. What did
1: you do? Did you eat a meal that you did you feel like no, what did you you just like continued your I was like almost day?
2: cried and then was like I was working but I was driving past my home city like and I was like I drove in the slow lane the whole way there and just went home because I was like I can't I'm like too shaken up and the roads are obviously too dangerous I'm not working today so yeah, that was my that's closest that's the weird day. ass thing about living in Canada
1: like winter roads are just like so weird You're like we are all mm. just risking this to like go to a turkey dinner or something <laughs> so we should all just stay home who in your family has died like uh, the
2: only person really two people in my life that have died in my like you know adult age was like my grandpa and then my uncle there's a few others but those two were the ones that i knew the best so i haven't had like a, a very morbid experience with death in terms of having any like super tragic things but yeah that, my uncle dying was that as a, like too young of an age so that was very sad um but uh, it was from cancer and you kind of have those warning signs you know like it's not it yeah. is tragic oh, it but you cancer. yeah it's like it's long enough that you kind of know it's coming and so i feel like it, it wasn't sudden t- yeah it wasn't like tragic
1: in that sense even though it was tragic because he was like so obviously young. young yeah i have like so yeah same with when it comes to grandparents my mom's mom and my dad's dad i never met my dad's mom died when i was younger and then my mom's dad died when I was a little bit older, but I have, like, a weird, <laughs> weird story about. I don't even know how to say if it's, like, Hello. weird. I was staying with my cousin at their house, like, in uh, Stratford, Ontario, not that far from Toronto, and, like, in in a city, in a house, with my cousin and my aunt. And one night, I got, like, really sick and like felt so anxious and so sad and started throwing up in the bathroom and it reminded me of like what people say homesickness is like like I was like I just want to go home okay. I miss my family it was so weird and then I found out the next day that my grandpa died like at that time oh that so is weird it was like how I old was, were you I was pro I think like grade like six or seven like so it was a time where I was like holy shit like I'm spiritual like you felt now. connected you were yeah. just like I knew but I didn't know yeah well i was just like the next day when mm. i find out i put it together because like also the night before like my aunt even like came into the bathroom with me and was like are you okay and like my cousin was like greg's really sick and he seems upset and i was like i miss my family and then it was like your grandpa died at that time like i don't i, I mean still even weird. now like think about it and i'm like what the f because as i've grown up i've become i've become less spiritual i've become yeah very obsessed with science and like things sort of make sense to me that like and I and, and even now I'm like, did I exaggerate that? Like I right. don't know. Was Your just memory
2: like, of it though is that yeah that you yeah like it's were a clear connected. memory.
1: And I was like, that was still an age when I was going to camp and never having experiences like that. It was weird. It still is weird. That I'm is sure a weird people thing. have things like that. I mean I'm sure it's confirmation bias and stuff like yeah, that. yeah. And
2: it's interesting. I don't know if this is going off topic for what you're talking about, but like. When you talked about spirituality and religiousness, like, there's something precious about stories when you're little. But, like, we, we've we grown up in, like, you know, North American society. So, yeah, I grew up in, like, a Catholic family as well and have, like, some weird beliefs that still linger. Even though now I describe myself as, like, you know, atheist or agnostic or just, like, I don't know. I really don't really follow anything.
1: We'll get to that later because I'm going to debate you. True.
2: But, yeah, it's just weird to think how, like, in any critical state, if you heard someone else say that story, you'd be like, well... <laughs> that's not real. Or it's that's almost a like when someone else right? tells
1: you about their dreams and you're like, oh, you're like, shut I up. Just, like there's no, like, oh, "Hey, Unless I was in it and I looked hot. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. I'm like, I actually like, I'm just but, like, but like that story
2: sits with you, a rational, normal human being, uh, and yeah, I, I almost feel precious of it. Like, I don't want to sit here and rip down your story because you're my partner and my boyfriend. And I'm like, I don't want to. Well, I kind of like, feel
1: like I've ripped it down myself in my head because over time I've just sort of been like, like, that was, was, I, was weird. Maybe lol, I just
2: actually yeah. got sick by coincidence that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The no, only other thing was
1: weird. recently my sister had a baby right when I was reading and like sent her a photo about uh, the science of storks. <laughs> but like, weird. again, I mean, that was a weird coincidence, but also like you knew her due date was coming up. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It so was like, different. chances were. The chances were high, but I was literally like, like every day you're probably sending her something about, (laughs) like, having a baby, but... Okay, speaking of death, who is, like, the most impacted, like, celebrity death that's ever... Have you had one that's really affected you? Because that's a weird way that we all deal with death. a famous person who's died who has impacted you. Yeah, like, I feel like people, like, really start to think and talk about death when a celebrity or someone of notoriety dies, because it makes you... It forces you to be like, oh, whoa, like, kind of like, celebs, they're just like us. They die.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I... The only one that stands out for me, and I'd have to think. I'm going to think a little more while you give your example, is Robin Williams. And I don't know why. I remember being so sad when Robin Williams died because it was such an example of, you know, someone who was so gave so much life to so many other people, was hilarious, was such a role model in so many ways. And then to know that he suffered from such severe depression that he killed himself. Right? I didn't make that up in my head. Yeah, yeah, he did kill himself. Um, I don't know. It was just a dark moment of also kind of seeing maybe into the entertainment world, seeing into like the comedy world that what you're involved with now. It's like, ju- I don't know. It was like really stuck out to me as like sad. And I remember I, I wasn't like a super fan of Robin Williams, but when that happened, I was like,
1: I, oh, yeah. I feel like. And depressed. he has such a beautiful like legacy. Like he kind of like he, you know, he's like a Tom Hanks kind of like obviously darker I guess than Tom Hanks Mm. but you know he has those all well we don't know I guess that's the point like who knows maybe Tom Hanks is that the more that we get into yeah you're right like the more we have understandings of like the entertainment industry it's just like a toxic place it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't it there is like no room for mental health in it in many ways it's all like about like a commodity of a person it's mm-hmm. like really really gross and i think that's like and that I don't goes know. to show like someone who was still at the top of his
2: game still doing like amazing films like like still loved and appreciated and respected could then think he wasn't I was curious to know if the death of celebrities, and in particular the suicide death of celebrities, has a big impact on the population. I was actually really surprised to find out that yes, when a celebrity takes their lives, the rate of suicide actually goes up a lot. But even more interesting was that the number one factor is media exposure and how the media handles it. So it turns out that when it's sort of sensationalized, the more it is out there in the world, tons of headlines, the details of the suicide, we see that rate go up. Looking at Robin Williams as an example, the suicide rate went up by 10%, and in particular, it went up in middle-aged men. So we can see there's probably a correlation between who takes their lives and who might be identifying with them, whether that's based on gender or personality or sexuality, things like that. But at the end of the day, it really, really comes down to how the media handles it, and as a result, they're sort of... ethical reporting not laws but guidelines to help the media report on this some simple takeaways are you know minimizing the use of the word suicide and definitely minimizing uh the gruesome details or even just how they did it can help a lot but also you know trying not to glorify it so with robin williams as an example i remember seeing a meme that came out or a picture of the lamp from aladdin and it had a little bit of a wisp of the genie and it sort of said you know now you're free robin williams genie You're free. Um, But a lot of experts at the time sort of winced at this because it was glorifying this idea that suicide ended his trauma and was almost a good thing. And so at the end of the day, it's good to know that there is a, a correlation between suicide in the population and celebrities, but that it can be managed and we can sort of help the most vulnerable people in our population by learning
1: how to report on this in the best way. So this is like a lot, oh my gosh, this is a lot. Like, like, it's so weird talking about death. Well, I was like, there's a way we can do it and have fun. And it's like, I think it's interesting, but it's like really hard to like reflect on death and not be like, wah, wah. but mm-hmm. like, but there's so much more
2: to say, and yeah. I am excited to debate and talk about what we actually think personally I know, because I death.
1: literally don't know how you feel about that. Okay, so we'll take a
2: quick break for now, but when we come back, we are going to interview Rachel, who's going to educate us all
1: about what happens after you die. Yeah, so like embalming the cultural practices that humans do with bodies, and just like obviously so important, grief. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with grief? So, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Side
2: Note. So I am here with our producer, Rachel, who over the last little bit has learned a lot about death. Is that is that okay to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean it any morbid way. I just mean she's been researching it because we have a lot of questions that we want to ask. And first and foremost, I just wanted to ask you, you know, if you've been to funerals and what tend to be the most common practices that you've experienced or that you know other people have experienced?
3: Yeah, so pretty much every funeral I've gone to has been open casket has been a burial. Like Mm. my mom's side of the family is Catholic. So I think that's a a more common thing to have at the visitation open casket and then a burial. But my grandpa passed away in 2015 and we were really, really close. He always gave me like a hand painted birthday card. He was like an artist. (laughs) Yeah. And I was obviously very upset, but I was holding it together Mm -hmm. and, uh, We got to the visitation and I think logically, I think I had even talked about it with him before that he was going to be cremated. Okay. But then when I got into the room and the room was gorgeous and had like paintings he had done and all these things, like his like pipe and whatever. But I'm like looking like, where is Pa? Mm -hmm. Where is he? (laughs) And <laughs> so, so <laughs> he wasn't there. He was cremated. He had been actually cremated. Yeah. <laughs> oh, OK. So then
2: you were like having a moment where you realized. I was like,
3: oh, I'm not going to see him. He's gone. He's gone.
2: Oh, no. Because before that had you been before that you've been to open caskets like yeah. you kind of knew that that was a thing.
3: Yeah. And I was like, OK, Aww. I'm going to say goodbye. And then, yeah,
2: he was gone. So it's yeah, it's so much more final. Do you think that is like is that a reason people do open casket?
3: Okay, so a study in 1987 looked at a ferry disaster where 190 people died. And so, obviously, this isn't...
2: Like like, a ferry like a boat. Like a ferry like a boat. (laughs) 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 It's like a ferry disaster. What does that mean? Okay, I don't know where my brain was going. Um... (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, this is inappropriate. It's hard to make, make jokes. This no. is about death. Okay.
3: No, I think it's good. to. M- I think, you know, that's another death tradition is wakes where people right. tell like nice stories. And mm. maybe that helps people. So maybe we don't have to be as somber about it. But right. okay. for this study, it looked at um, people who, uh, relatives of the deceased who had seen the body and those who had not. And so those who had seen the body, even though this is like a different circumstances where it's like a right. traumatic death Like it was a traumatic experience for them to see the body at the time. Mm -hmm. But after like in like years after they had less anxiety about the death overall than those who never did see the body.
2: Wow. And under those same it was like all those people under the same conditions who lost people in an accident. Right. Okay. Something I'm really curious about and I want to know if you can help me get an understanding of is embalming Mm. and like what that is in the first place. I feel like I've heard about it since I was a kid because I'm like, didn't like the ancient Egyptians do this or did they invent it? I don't really understand what it is, to be honest. I've always heard about it and I just don't get it. So anything you can teach me about embalming.
3: Yeah. So you're absolutely right that embalming is super, super old. And although, you know, the Egyptians did it so well, they weren't the first to do it. So actually um, in the... Atacama Desert in Chile and Peru is where the oldest incidents of uh, intentional mummifications happened in 5,000 and 6,000 B.C. What? Yeah. That's
2: crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense that people – since people were dying and we had, like, the brains to think about it, we're like, let's do something with these bodies.
3: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, like, preservation – of bodies comes down to this kind of you know spiritual belief that if you don't preserve the body, it won't make it into the afterlife. Right. So if it decays... Like, like it's
2: the end, yeah, for real. Yeah,
3: so this is the body that you're traveling into the mm. next life. So in Egypt, they were awesome at it. The main thing that they would use is um, something called uh, natron, which is actually naturally occurring baking soda. So it's kind of like a like soda ash. Okay. And along with herbs, cedar oils and like natural derived resins, incense and like gum, pitch and tar. Okay. I don't know all the processes <laughs> in which they did, but like, right, like when you think of the mummies they find, like mm-hmm. they're
2: looking good. Yeah, for being like thousands of years old.
3: But another like ancient process is like um, think of something that you would like to put in your tea when you allow yourself a tea, Mitch.
2: Like oh, what, like what do I like? To, oh, honey. Honey. Ooh, my favorite, honey. <laughs> honey. So they embalm with honey.
3: Yeah. So actually, um, uh, Alexander the Great is one of the most famous incidences of being like embalmed in honey, and it was a p- ancient Persian tradition. So.
2: Okay, so I think I have an idea of why, but why do we embalm in the first place?
3: Okay, so the whole thing is to preserve human remains because as soon as we die, we start to decompose. We actually did a video on this maybe a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's like what happens like the when second you, die. you die, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Without proper blood flow, these dead cells in your body begin to accumulate along with a lot of gas, like CO two, and that will cause the pH in your tissue to rise. Okay. So th- what happens is this weakens cell membranes, eventually causing them to burst and release uh, cytosol. And this contains proteins and enzymes that further break down your tissue. And on top of that, of course, we've like also done other videos on this, that there's hundreds of trillions of microorganisms mm-hmm. living in you. So they begin <laughs> to break down uh, your okay. body as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the bacteria in your gastrointestinal tract will actually begin to eat your abdominal organs. So uh, a bombing wants to stop that.
2: Do you know if like I'm wondering because obviously embalming has been used for like religious and spiritual purposes, but I'm wondering if it might have even started for like cleanliness, preserving bodies so that they didn't rot, and like if they were having to share areas with dead bodies. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was a strategy of that. I don't know if you came no, across that. No, I well, I but.
3: have. I- I haven't come across that in embalming per se, but like it's interesting how a lot of traditions um, come out of practical means. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of Tibetan funerals are sky burials where they'll leave a body up in the mountain um, and then it will be scavenged. I think they're like the word that they use for it actually means like bird scavenged. And so it'll be like it's the whole idea of like giving back, like having the the body as useful as possible. Right. But it's also because like, in that area, they're like above the tree line. So you can't really get the wood to make coffins mm. and also, or to have a cremation to like burn. And also, like, you can't really do a burial because like the ground is often like right. permafrost. Yeah. So that tradition is actually like, as much as it's spiritual, it's also like
2: practical. Mm-hmm. Like, take the body away from where we are. We yeah. can't put it underground. We can't, you know, let's yeah. bring it somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So then modern embalming. Like, how does that work now? And is it mostly for aesthetic reasons to preserve the body so people can see it first before it gets buried or, you know, whatever happens to it?
3: Absolutely. So a lot of it is aesthetic. So what you basically need to start with is you need to drain the blood and start pumping it with embalming fluid. Um, but. Before they do any of this, they want to like set your facial features. So, um, that means like closing your eyes and closing your mouth. and then also so you have like a more natural facial expression so kind of like put cotton in your mouth.
2: Oh, so like if you're yeah if your cheeks instead of being like sunken in, like mm-hmm. filling it out so you look a little bit more alive, is that what you mean?
3: Yeah. and they'll also oh, like ye. place like, Wires along your jaw to hold your mouth closed. Actually, uh, as I was wearing uh, this, I'm like, I, uh, uh, I don't know if I need. To
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. You're this. Like, yeah. And that's true. I I remember not to cut you off. This is just one thing because I've uh, at my grandpa's funeral it was open casket and I remember I think my grandma was kind of upset because they had like accidentally misunderstood and like shaved his mustache off so he looked different oh. and then there was like they put like makeup on and stuff yeah. but I assume it's also because. If they don't, it looks more like a dead body. Yeah, without, like,
3: the the reason we look rosy is because blood is circulating through our body, but without blood, like, we don't... Like,
2: much more pale. We
3: don't look that way.
2: Well, okay, speaking of traditions, then, like, are there any other interesting, popular... Like, I only can really think of, yeah, like, burying someone in a casket, cremating them, and putting them in a little urn, but, like, what do other cultures do?
3: Yeah, absolutely, so... Um, There's so many traditions, but here are some ones that I found interesting. And I just wanted to touch on cremation again, that although, you know, it's not as popular in North America, it's now, as of 2015, there's been as many cremations as there are burials. And Hmm. that's kind of shifted because people are becoming less religious as a whole. But, or like in our religions, but in, you know, places like Japan, where um,
0: the main religion is uh, Buddhism.
3: them in shinto 99 of all funerals are cremations and wow. they're often like bar- then buried in the family tomb with their mem- family members but now new things are happening like you know scattering of ashes burials in outer space um getting your ashes <laughs> turned into
4: jewelry like oh
2: whoa yeah. okay i've never heard of that one like you just take the acid ashes and somehow infuse them into like, I guess that's kind of nice because then people are carrying you with them, but it's also kind of creepy. I don't yeah, know why I find that kind of creepy. I don't,
3: yeah, I'm not sure about that, but um, something I found, another type of cremation that is done by Hindus is um, adults who are cremated are usually done so near a river um, and then they're placed on a pyre, which is I think a piece of wood and their feet are facing south and then once the ash of the cremation is done, is consecrated into the nearest river sea. And so it was kind of just like a return to sea. And I I kind of remember you and Greg. Yeah, I was going to say like
2: we went to India and we were in Varanasi, which is kind of like the holy city where a lot of people go to die. I don't know what happens if they bring dead bodies there or if mostly just like very elderly who think they're near their dead death will go and travel there. Oh, wow. And then so when you're there along the, I think it's the Ganges River. Is that what it's called? Um, I have a bad (laughs) memory. (laughs) Um, Is basically like there's tons of these sort of like hits where they're all day every day like through the streets you'll see them carrying bodies that have like like you know cloths over them just on stretchers and it's part of the ceremony to walk through the streets and like celebrate them and then bring them down to the river and and burn their bodies and as a tourist or somebody there you can just watch and go and see them it's just fascinating to to think of like everywhere in the world there's just like different ideas of what life and death is and it's just fascinating to see
3: Mm -hmm. i agree Um, like even the way we do caskets here are usually just like wooden, like traditional kind of like rectangular, but like, for example, in Ghana, um, a lot of people have like personalized caskets that are in the shape of a fish or in a crab or even like a plane. Like they get to help decide. (laughs) And it's like, they're really beautiful. Um, and something else that's an interesting part of funerals that we do used to be really popular, but we don't do anymore. Um, in the Victorian ages. We're um, kind of professional mourners. Like there would be uh, a mute often at... Uh, and I don't think that means, like, someone who is unable to talk, but someone who would be there and who wouldn't talk. And okay. they would look very somber. And they would just, like, look incredibly sad huh. to help people feel more sad. Right, to,
2: like, bring that moment to life. Huh, yeah, and they'd also sometimes
3: hire, like, a, like more often than not, a woman to, like, wail and, like, huh. claw at her face and just be, like, <laughs> super, oh, like, like, grief-stricken to help everyone Yeah, else, like, really, like, like,
2: you know what? That's true. Even watching, like... TV shows or movie like especially reality shows when you see someone crying is when it triggers it in you like they might be totally having a real emotion but it's as soon as they start tearing up or you hear the little like waver in the throat that you start like you're able to let your own emotion out. Mm -hmm. It's so weird that that happens in humans but I guess that that is smart that you have someone there who can help like facilitate you actually letting your emotions out because I'm sure for a lot of people they're still in shock. and just like disbelief i feel at the funerals i've been to i it takes a while till it really hits you that someone's died Mm -hmm. and gone at the funeral you're still like you feel like you knew them just a few days ago Mm -hmm. so that is interesting um okay i have one last question Okay, what you had to like you know spend days looking at all this stuff about death what has it made you feel have you come away with any different perspective now than when you went in to looking through this stuff
3: I've just been thinking about how death is so taboo and it shouldn't be just Mm -hmm. because it's going to happen to you and me. Maybe not you, (laughs) but it's going to happen to me and um, that that's okay.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for educating us all about death today.
1: And um, yeah, we'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Okay, Mitchell Moffat, I (laughs) feel like I'm like we literally for a couple that is in a relationship. I actually don't really know what your opinions are on death are, but I do know that there was a weird time in our relationship where I was very frustrated because I feel like you were like, I'm going to live forever and you were confident about it. But I think you don't think that anymore. Right? Oh, I might still think that.
2: I
4: don't know. What does that I, even hi-
2: mean? Okay, no. I, I don't know. You know when you're just like, I I obviously cannot reconcile the fact that I'm going to die. It's not that I'm afraid of death. I mean, I, I am. I probably am. But it's more just like, well, I could literally be in a simulation. Like, I don't know if anything else is real. All I know is that I'm real and I'm the only important thing. You know what I mean? In that kind of context of like, it's the only real truth that I have. So how could that possibly go away?
1: It's But like, do you not think about it from a scientific perspective and it all just adds up and you're gonna die and you're not gonna live forever. <laughs> so rude. Um
2: <laughs> I yeah, no, I, I obviously do you, expect I'll die, but I just like don't contemplate that. But okay. Because of your fear of dying? See, I don't feel scared of dying. Like when we were younger, my memory of your like what you think of dying is literally when we were younger, I could not bring up death in front of you. Like I, when we first started dating, I would sometimes just like try and get your opinions later on in life. We had some, you know, more robust conversations about death, but you would shut me down. You would panic attack, be like, I can't talk about death. Cause I'd be like, yeah, like if you do die, it just becomes nothing. Like I don't believe in heaven. And then you would freak out. And like, do you remember that?
1: Yeah. So this is true. I think that this, this reminds me, it was when we were in university. So it reminds me of a time. Okay. Again, I like grew up in the United church. It all kind of made sense to me. I wasn't, I guess being that critical at that time, but then once I started to get into science and really start to love science is when I really started to be like, okay, all this like talk about like Jesus and stuff really doesn't add up like it just it it just doesn't make sense like when i go into science class they're breaking down like biological processes to explain like atp and energy in your body it has to come from food the air is made like this space is made like this let's zoom out from earth this far like i'm like this all has like empirical evidence like this is what i'm going to believe in and it is to this day what i believe in and around that time too was when i also started to be like huh, religion is quite problematic. And <laughs> as much as the United Church is really progressive, and I think that's why I was able to hold on to it for so long, like they marry gay people, there's female ministers, things like that, you still go in and they still you still can open the Bible that it's based on, and it's like, on the first day, God <laughs> made this. And then there was, then he made the, like all these, or like the Adam and Eve part of the Bible, I read it recently because I was like, Went to what? You was, read that recently? Like, Well, it's literally like if you just start reading the Bible, it's like the third page and it's like insane. You're like, and then Eve, also it's like so sexist. It's like Eve made a mistake and like couldn't control herself. and like, I don't even know. I was just like, this is like, not only is this like clearly fiction, and this is such a weird story. Like, so I, my point is that that was around the time when I was like leaving that religious part of my life and moving into this very like scientific part of my life and so when you talked about death being like oh at the end there's nothing I hadn't come to terms with that so for me I was like I don't want to talk about this because I could literally go from zero to 100 like zero to a panic attack real quick especially if I was stoned. (laughs) okay well
2: I have two questions for you then do you now believe in any type of afterlife or do you believe
1: it's just nothing so I honestly fear death so much less now that I'm older and I feel like I'm less there's something weird about aging where I'm like, I'm just less spiritual. I care about it less. Like my life feels so much more like stressful is the wrong word, but so full of all these things that I don't really have time. It felt like when I was in my teens, I was really figuring things out. I was devoting a lot of time to just thinking about these things and having strong opinions. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, Honestly, I'm like I feel like I'm like not like too busy, but then I'm like is that what adulthood is? Like numbing your brain Maybe. with everything? Like I don't think that's necessarily true, but I don't have the mental capacity to think about it that often <laughs> and I don't have pan attack, panic attacks anymore. You might think that as you get older and closer and closer to the inevitability of death that you would get more scared, but studies show that the opposite is true. One study found that people in their 40s and 50s expressed greater fears of death than those in their 60s and 70s. Similarly, another study found that people in their 60s reported less death anxiety than people between the ages of 35 and 50 and 18 to 25. Many studies reference how young people are more scared of death because there's more that they want to do before they die. But once you get older, you've done them, right? You know, you've seen the world, you've seen how messed up humans have been for so long, you've married, had kids, you've done it. And so, therefore, they think that young people are more scared because they feel like they have more they still need to do. A recent study uh, just interviewed people who were aged 95. And in many ways, they speak about how death is a part of their life. It's a part of their day-to-day life. And a lot of them even said, when you're that age, this one woman was 97, she's like, you have to live every day, day by day, physiologically and mentally. And one woman actually said, I just say I'm the lady-in-waiting, waiting waiting to go. The main preference was that their death would be comfortable, but they all seemed relatively chill and at ease with the thought of dying.
2: To be honest, I still am. I know I'm scared of death, even though I don't think I am. Like, in my day-to-day, I'm not, but I also think I'm just, like, a sweet, sweet summer child who, like, has not had to experience that in his life. I've never come close to death. Summer child? It's What's like, that? like, girl,
1: watch Game of Thrones, you freak. Oh, that's so boring. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a bad thing to say. Okay, but honestly, I know you're out there, people, who've watched Game of Thrones, and you're kind of just like, is this boring? No.
2: Oh, my God. You disgust me sometimes. Um, there's lots of death in that show. Maybe that's why you're so
1: scared to watch it. I didn't say I was scared. Yes, I said sometimes are. I'm just like, I'm confused. <laughs> and actually, no, I love Arya. Okay, whatever. It's such a good job. I should Anyway, I mean, like, I've never
2: had to really face... Like, I'm such a baby. I get sick pretty often. And, and recently, I had some, like, weird head stuff that was making me feel, like, super dizzy for, like, a month and a half. And I, I was convinced I had a brain tumor for a little while. I was getting all these blood tests and, and trying to figure out what was going on. And there were some moments where I was like... I freaked myself out and would be like, I'm going to die. Like, this is a brain tumor. I'm pretty close to death. And I then I was like, I don't want to die. Like, I'm really scared. I, like, had those deep, dark moments wow. when I... Because I would wake up every day and be, like, dizzy and almost couldn't focus. You and said it was coming, coming
1: back a bit, too. In, but, and, out. and now ugh. I think
2: it maybe was related to pressure and, like, maybe I'm just getting, Yeah, like,
1: I get migraines and so I'm always constantly aware of the way that like the clouds are moving and yeah. the pressure and it does maybe seem... my body's
2: changed and i'm like somehow more in tune with that i don't know it's coming and out but never as bad as it was then i just remember being actually scared and being like being a little faced with death even though it was just like an imagination
1: in my head i was scared so what about religion like you grew up catholic but it doesn't seem like you had the reaction either. Yeah. It's like is it because catholicism was just even more intense it's easier to reject i genuinely think that i was more religious for longer growing up because the United Church is less, like, hostile and boring and scary.
2: Yeah, well, I was like, these queens are telling me I'm going to hell. Obviously, God doesn't exist because I know he thinks this shit is fabulous and would want it in his kingdom. That's, so, like, the gay, that's like, the gayest way of describing it. Ever, no, but I mean, fair. It's no, true. No, I, I, I didn't have that much self-confidence. Um, oh. As a kid, I definitely... I guess I was like spiritual when I was younger I used to like read books that were like kind of related to religiousness and spirituality and like wait
1: that's the thing when I first met you you were so spiritual like the books you were reading was like It wasn't. yeah it wasn't like usually about God but it was often about like finding God within yourself and like how oh and that one book that we got in a huge fight over because I'm like this is a self-help book this is BS and like yeah I can't remember what it was called but yeah it was like it, it wasn't the secret but it was a type of version of that and like me and Mitch like he would you read it like in a car like hiding from me because I was like, what the F are you reading? Like no, that's like a cult book. I, I, yeah. Cause I had a what couple friends it? who were so
2: into it and they yeah. was like, the whole idea was you would like give it to someone else when you were done and like get them into it. I can't remember what it was called, but, but that was, that was a
1: really rude I of one came, and- I once
2: came back to that at an older age and was like, this book is trash. Like, it's so poorly written. I don't know how I like,
1: it just goes to show how much your brain can change. And and it's you were seeking that out. When we were in university, you were so spiritual and we were getting in fights because you were like trying to be spiritual. And like that book. Yeah, that's why I remember you were like, Greg, why are you getting mad at me? Like, I am trying to seek out spirituality right now. And I remember like it hit me hard because I'm like, wait, yeah, why am I getting mad? That's such an awful thing to do to be like, don't be spiritual. Because that's what you, Uh it's like, that's why those books and those things work because a lot of times in life you have to go through moments where you feel, you need spirituality to get through and like, I I I don't know
2: why then though. Maybe just I was coming out. I was figuring out. I think you. I I, I
1: think you were also losing your spirituality. Like I, I felt like that
2: was like as it slips. I felt like I had to grab onto it. Or I was because when I was younger, I I believed in God and stuff. But then I think I was losing my religiousness, and so spirituality was a step to be like, well, I don't have to be religious. I can believe in like this idea of connectedness and forces, and like I don't know. I remember like really held on to like this. I think it's called like the Gospel of Saint Thomas, and it's like it's like a part of the Bible that was never actually inserted into. Bible, or it's like a gospel they decide not to include because it's like, it's like a, allegedly the only one that was like in the language of Jesus. And he talks about like how you, you don't need to find God in a church. You can like find God in a rock and you can find God in like other people. And I remember like really liking that notion of like, oh yeah, like you seek like God is a metaphor for like this universe. And so what do you think now? Uh, nothing matters. We're all going to die. There's no God. The end. <laughs> Are you serious though? <laughs> So you're an atheist because you said agnostic earlier, that's yeah. an atheist statement. Well, no, agnostic means that if it could be shown to me or proven to me or God came to me, like I'd probably believe it. Atheist, I don't I don't hate religions. I have a lot of resentment towards like the religion I grew up in because I sometimes think back on my grade school and high school and think about if I had come out like now that I'm older and no have the confidence, like obviously I wouldn't have come. I didn't come out then, but I came out in university. Now I'm a confident 30 year old gay man who's proud. Would I, with my current mentality, come out as that? Yeah, kid? that's messed up. And I up. think the answer is no. You because you went to I'm a like, Catholic school. And I'm like, the, I don't know that the teachers would have supported me. I don't know if it would have been a yeah, big deal, but that's awful. I, I don't know. I think honestly, I think the students might have supported me more than the teachers. And that is messed up. And I remember when we were in university, there were like debates and fights over like gay issues that like the Catholic school board in where I grew up was like not supporting. And I was like, that's disgusting. I absolutely hate this.
1: Yeah. And that's a direct impact on your life. It's true. I came out in high school and that was never a consideration to me at all. About my like, right? My that someone teachers, would be like, "Well, you're going to yeah, hell." <laughs> I was definitely more concerned about what the students thought. The teachers, I'm like, I knew my teachers would love and support me, and that's why I believe that public, school, that the Catholic school should be defunded in Canada, like not be public schools, not be public schools. Yes, that's yeah. a, that was a different episode, but I like staunchly believe that.
2: Yeah. So now I think over time, I guess there was a while when I felt not religious but believed in God, but I just slowly. And I don't want to offend anyone, but just with science, I was just kind of like, well, let's think of this all logically. It just seems, like, fairly illogical. And I know, like, Richard Feynman has this speech where he's like, you know, this one essence of God came to the earth. And as a human, when, like, there's so much else out there, like, it's not in proportion. Like, you believe these stories, but when you start to, like, see the world in a grander view... You realize like it just doesn't really add up, and I don't know. I think I slowly started thinking like, I don't know. Like religion kind of does like a lot of bad. I'm not saying it does fully
1: bad, but like there's a lot of bad shit, and it made me feel really bad. And what? Okay, this is what I think. I'm like, okay, I feel like I I do science is a huge impact on me. Like I think about things with like energy, like literally wavelengths. Like energy cannot be created or destroyed. I think it's really fascinating that through chemical energy, I can eat things and literally this like complex organism that is my body can move. I think that's so cool. Like it's almost spiritual when you think about how complex we are and how we use food and the world around us to survive that I'm like, I have learned to like use the science to be like in my life, I have taken the energy that exists in this world. I've utilized it in a way it's part of, I think why I like do my best to like be a positive influence because I also then think about my deathbed and I think about, okay, what is actually going to matter? Even with ASAP science, like recently there's, it's been a bit of a crisis for me where I'm like, wait, if this all goes away, we need to make sure that on our deathbed, we're like, we like, made the best right impact possible. I always think about that when we make decisions. And I think that this is something that a spiritual person who was religious said to me recently, which I thought was like kind of interesting because I was obviously skeptical was they were like, once someone dies, their impact on you, if they're close to you, still lives within you. So if they've taught you about how to be a good person, or even if they taught you how to cook eggs, every time you cook eggs, that person's <laughs> influence is still there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm only laughing because I taught you how to cook
2: eggs. When I met Greg, he did not, he literally did not know how to fry an egg. No word of a lie. You're standing
1: there, gobsmacked, but you uh, you know that's true. Wait, yeah, but also I don't eat eggs now. I was never ate eggs. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> but my um, point is, like that they like that there is something spiritual about that, and it still involves science. Like I do believe yeah, that. And, I didn't and think energy that's spiritual, people, though. Like, but, but people, I, I often about that, like, the yeah. energy. You know, some people will be like the energy, and you can go spiritual, but it's like right. energy is actually so scientific, and it's like, yeah. I just think that there is a way to be spiritual and still. Like yeah, and it's science. psychological. Like we all impart ourselves onto other people. We teach them things. We
2: act certain ways. And yeah, if you were to die, like you would technically be with me forever because like I am forever changed because of you.
1: But then eventually, your kids' kids die, then they die, and then you are forgotten. Then it's
2: nothing. Um, but like th- that was we brought up something that made me think. Like, what do you what do you want to do with your body when you die? Like, what do you do? You think about cremation? Do you think about being buried? Do you think about like what do you want?
1: I think I would honestly whatever's the most environmentally. Smart. So I guess that's you think cremation. That?
2: Yeah. I guess I know. I haven't thought about that that much. Well, like, I don't. I, I, once I'm dead, I don't think... What like, is the most environmentally friendly? Is it cremation?
3: Each year, a million pounds of metal, wood, and concrete are put into the ground... For our burials. Not to mention the embalming fluid that's used to preserve us is mostly formaldehyde and eventually that leaches out of our body back into the ground. I've worked in a lab before using formaldehyde. I was preserving fish brains. It was a cool project but let me tell you that stuff really stings your eyes and it's super toxic. On top of this traditional cemeteries just cover your body up with grass, which is mowed and fertilized and watered for basically ever. Also, a single cremation requires about two SUV tanks worth of fuel. So here are some strategies other people are trying out that might be a little more environmentally friendly. Instead of formaldehyde and bombing fluid, what about essential oils? And instead of a heavy wood casket that has a lot of metal in it, what about a cedar casket that can easily degrade back into the soil? There's also a type of cremation that's being branded as more green because it uses a lot less energy. Basically, you're put in a pressurized tank in a bath of chemicals and your body dissolves. This process is called alkaline hydrolysis. It kind of reminds me of that one episode of Breaking Bad. Did anyone else see that episode? That was... That was a lot. I
1: was just about, I don't know, melting bodies.
3: But this process uses a ton of water, 300 gallons per human body. So this might not be the best option. In the future, some cities might place your body in an industrial sized compost bin and turn you over periodically to create new fertile soil. This might make you feel uncomfortable. And to be honest, I find it a little squiggly too. But as we run out of space and resources, our customs around death will likely need to change.
1: So do you think that? Do you think you'll live forever or do you think when you die there's nothing? Those are two separate questions. Yeah, okay. I'm just like, I want you to just tell me that
2: you don't think you're going to live forever because it makes me feel so weird. I don't think I'm going to live forever, but I would want to. Let me put it that way. Because it freaks me out that other people say... If I had a red pill and a blue pill, and one could keep you alive forever, and one would just be a normal life, but you'd be—if you live forever, it's not like you'd be like old and decrepit. You'd like stay at this state, and you get to live possibly forever if you didn't get killed or murdered or something. Like Twilight, I is would always—I
1: <laughs> don't know, like vampires.
2: Anyways, uh, continue. <laughs> I would always choose the pill that would keep me alive forever. It's just bizarre to me, like especially people who don't believe in an afterlife, that they would just choose to die. Like I know life is. Not always awesome and thrilling and like it might be strange, especially there's a lot of variables like maybe all your friends die. Maybe your family dies. They and that's will depressing. die. OK, but I'm, I'm creating a world I didn't I haven't fully thought about. Like, am I the only person who gets to live forever? But
1: you did used to say that you I would. thought you would live forever. And you said it to Neil deGrasse Tyson, remember? And it was, like, really weird. I don't remember. When we rang him Neil deGrasse Tyson. You just <laughs> probably threw me under the bus. You're probably like, he thinks he's going to
2: live forever. And I was like, oh, my God. that's <laughs> like so embarrassing. If anyone's going to convince me, just um, me. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. And I don't care. But what was the other side of that question? Oh, do
1: you, like, what do you, like, are you atheist? Oh, do, what do I think happens? Yeah. I do think if I die, they'll just be nothing. And that immediately gave me a pit in my stomach, and I'm freaking out right now. Like, What it's do you think? Seven. Like, I I like I yeah okay it's happening I'm really freaking out (laughs) like I'm like oh my god it's actually happening show me your lips when Greg has anxiety his lips turn purple yeah they're turning (laughs) a little bit you have a red face yeah I'm turning red Um, Uh, yeah yeah. but it's like I can't comprehend
2: it it doesn't mean I just I just don't really have that many thoughts I'm just like there's no evidence that we have that there's an afterlife but that doesn't mean there's not some other version of like I just maybe being not conscious doesn't mean you're gone like I don't really know I, I love my favorite, oh my god! I, I don't remember the quote, but like, I know this is cheesy, but I love Lord of the Rings, and in the final movie, like, they're about to be killed, it's like Gandalf with like, Merry or Pippin, I forget which one, I never know which one is which one, um, and they're like, breaking down the wall, and he looks at Gandalf, and he's just like, so scared, like, what's gonna happen, and then Gandalf just has this like, beautiful, he's like, I didn't know this would be the end, and then Gandalf's like, the end? No, like, death is just the beginning of... Another new something. And like beyond the veil, we don't know. That sounds religious. I know. I guess you're right. This is what I meant. At the beginning of this episode, I talked about your like precious memories of your childhood and how you kind of protect them, even if they don't stand up to your rationale. But I feel like I still do have an attachment to like spirituality, even though I don't consider myself spiritual. But it's kind of how some rational scientific thinking people are still attached to, like, star signs. Like, I'm an Aries, and I'm going to read this thing. Like, it's kind of fun. Or it can go to a psychic, It can be like, ooh, this they is do? kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like I have a little bit of that in me where I, like, know it's all bull, but I kind of like the idea. And then there's something kind of, like, nice and surprising that, like, even if death is the final frontier of what we experience, it's, it's certainly not the end of everything. So it is the beginning of something different. But that might...
1: We just can't comprehend that. I don't know. Okay, I think that's a good note to end on (laughs) because I'm literally going to go have a panic attack outside. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Again, hashtag, side note, podcast. Let us know what you think. Let us know what your opinions are on death. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I'm sure other people have had more visceral experiences with death, death than we have as well. Yeah,
2: and I just, it should yeah. Hear wow, it that was not enough. <laughs>
1: like, we were like, we could maybe make it fun. But and, like, hopefully I'm it's interesting. I
2: definitely think it's so fascinating and it's fun to talk about. And it is just so <laughs> frustrating because it's one of those things it's that like, so, we just can't no have an answer. do no I don't, answer. It doesn't seem possible or reasonable that we ever could have an answer, but who knows?
1: Anyway. Thank you so much.
2: We'll talk to you guys soon. Next week. Next week. Oh yeah. Ne- next Wednesday. Next week. Let's B- go. Oh,
1: okay. Next Bop. Tuesday. What? Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Bye.
4: target.